0: This is Cliff Mass, and welcome to my weather podcast. Each week I talk about current weather, provide a forecast for the weekend and beyond, and give you more details about an interesting weather phenomena. It's Friday, March 5th, and let's talk about the forecast. Well, before I give you the details, one thing is for sure the amount of solar radiation that we're receiving is increasing rapidly. Do you feel how much stronger the sun is right now? Well, it makes a big difference being in early March versus January. In fact, looking at the solar radiation uh, statistics, we get about twice as much solar radiation each day on average now in early March as we did back in, in early January. So huge increase. The sun is higher. It's much, much stronger. The other thing I wanted to mention is that we've had an enormous increase in snowpack this month. Uh, we went from being close to normal in early February to now in early March. You know, we're, we're way above normal. Uh, the snowpack statistics from the snow tell snow sites around the state are roughly 130, 140% of normal. So an enormous increase. And looking at the forecast models for the next few weeks... Um, where we have a little skill, at least the first week and a half, uh, there's going to be quite a bit more snow up in the mountains. So big increase in snowpack. We're in very, very good shape. Well, let's turn to the forecast. Well, looking at the radar this morning, uh, there are showers around, and that's associated with a Pacific front that is now starting to move onshore. So it's a relatively strong Pacific front, has a very nice little cold front narrow rain band associated with coming in on the coast so we'll have rain this morning uh returning to showers later on uh temperatures getting up to probably in the upper 40s maybe around 50 uh, but it will be pretty showery today now saturday is going to be the best day of the weekend uh, so I'm pretty, I'm pretty hopeful about that. Uh, the showers will end sometime in the morning. So I think you know, around 8 to 10 o'clock, the showers should fade out. There's only one exception, and that is in the Puget Sound Convergence Zone area, somewhere in north Seattle and, sh- and southern Snohomish County, there could be a line of precipitation that sets up there, which it extends into the mountains. So that's the only thing to worry about. Other than that, partly cloudy skies, temperatures getting up to around 50, so it's really not a bad day on on Saturday. Now, unfortunately, a trough, an area of low pressure aloft, will be moving in Saturday night, Sunday morning. So I expect the showers to increase overnight, Saturday into Sunday. And Sunday looks like it'll be showery, you know, not heavy stuff, but on and off light showers associated with this trough. Um, temperatures getting up into the mid 40s, maybe mid to upper 40s. Not not anything more than that. Um, there'll be some. There'll be more snow in the mountains, of course. Uh, so it's an okay day. Now next week is going to be a week of transition. There is a very deep trough of low pressure that's developing in the eastern Pacific. And what that's going to do is send most of the showers, most of the clouds into California. And we know that they need the, the rain. But we're going to get some of the tale of that. On Monday and Tuesday, there will be some some mixed showers, partly cloudy skies, temperatures getting up to around 50. So nothing exciting, but it's not going to be completely dry. But everything changes late in the week. A major ridge of high pressure builds over the eastern Pacific, and I expect us to dry out completely, and temperatures could surge by the end of the week into the mid to upper 50. So you will like the weather. So, end of the week looks great, but it'll be showery in the early part. Well, I hope you enjoyed the forecast, and in the next segment, I'm going to talk a little bit about why U.S. numerical weather prediction has lagged behind. Thanks for listening weather doesn't end with the forecast now let's talk about the special weather topic of the week today i'd like to talk a little bit about why u.s numerical weather prediction has fallen behind the key tool for all numerical weather prediction are numerical models these are simulation models not like physical models which are based upon the equations that describe the physics of the atmosphere. These equations are solved in some of the largest supercomputers on the planet with tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of processors. Now, the first step in numerical weather prediction is collecting observations. And that includes everything from surface observations at airports, to the vast array of satellites we have orbiting the planet, taking all kinds of observations. In fact, satellite data is now the dominant source of observations used in numerical weather prediction, representing perhaps 95 to 99% of all weather observations that we use. Now, the next step after taking all these observations is something called data assimilation where the observations are used, are combined, to create a physically consistent three-dimensional description of the volume of the atmosphere. This is very important. And the result of this step is something called the initialization. It's the initialization, the initial step for numerical weather prediction, that three-dimensional description. Now, this process of data assimilation is perhaps the most highly mathematical aspect of of the weather prediction enterprise. And we even use the models themselves, the forecast models themselves, to help fill in the gaps between the observations and to make sure the description is physically consistent. So after we have this initialization, this three-dimensional description of the atmosphere, the next step is the actual numerical prediction or what we call the integration. So starting with the initialization, the equations that describe the physics of the atmosphere are solved, producing a prediction of what the atmosphere will look like in the future. That's where the magic happens. Now, there are a number of international groups and national groups that are doing global numerical weather prediction. They're all doing the same thing, basically. Here in the US, the National Weather Service runs the Global Forecasting System, GFS, or the GFS model, and that is the main model used in the United States. In Europe, there is the European Center for Medium Range Weather Forecasting. That's the top group in Europe, combining a lot of countries' efforts. The U- UK, United Kingdom Met Service has a very good model. And there are other global weather forecasting models run by the German and French meteorological services. There are also Japanese, Australian, and Chinese global models. Uh, And I have to mention the excellent Canadian model by the Canadian Meteorological Center. Here in the United States, the US Navy runs a global model as well. So there's a number of groups running global forecasting models. But now we come to the issue. If one evaluates these models objectively, and we can, the U.S. is in third or fourth place. The National Weather Service's GFS model is in third or fourth place, and it's been there for years. With the European Center model being number one, year after year, followed by the UK Met Office model, number two, year after year. And often the Canadians are head of the United States so we're third or fourth and more typically fourth now the united states used to be the best the whole technology of numerical weather prediction began here we started it okay and this poor performance is particularly uh, problematic or goading or whatever you want to whatever you want to say because the us has the largest and the best weather research community in the world we should be number 1 but we're not So, how can we have fallen behind like this? Now, I think I'm in a position to tell you, particularly since numerical modeling is my specialty. That's what I do. I am a modeler. And I have written extensively about the problem, including in the peer reviewed literature, and I have participated in endless meetings and workshops on this topic. Well, I'll tell you the essential reason that we're behind is that the U.S. has divided its vast, Weather modeling efforts over too many groups. We've divided our our research community and our development community over too many efforts, including the the National Weather Service, uh, the National Center for Atmospheric Research, which is a, which is an academic group, uh, the U.S. Navy, and others. With each group having inadequate resources and not taking advantage of the work of others, so we have not organized. U.S. efforts in a coherent way to solve key problems in numerical weather prediction. Um, And quite frankly, and maybe most embarrassingly, the U.S. operational and research communities, research communities such as the universities and the National Center for Atmospheric Research, which is really a stepchild or child of of the universities, they're not working well together at all, working on their own separate systems and not combining efforts. Now, let's be clear. This is a technologically imposing uh, effort to get numerical weather prediction right. We're talking about millions of lines of codes. We're talking about simulating from the molecular scale to the planetary scale. This is perhaps the most complex problem our species takes on, and we have to work to to do to do it well. Now, a key technical reason why our forecasts here in the U.S., why the Weather Service forecasts are inferior to to the leaders, such as the European Center, is that our data assimilation, that step, is inferior. That's the step where we combine observations to provide a coherent, physically consistent three-dimensional description of the atmosphere. Our data assimilation is not as good as the European Centers and the UK Met Office's, among others. And and it's not as good because we have not applied state of science approaches to this data simulation. I don't want to get into the technical issues, but believe me, they're there. Now, during the recent years, the National Weather Service has made some improvements in their modeling system. They just just replaced the model itself, but they're not doing enough to make a real difference. And they're not effectively in training, the knowledge and experience and technical capabilities Of others to push them into the front ranks. It will take a cultural change in both the operational and research communities to make a change to this. And this will require a commitment by both communities to work together in an effective way. Until this happens, US numerical weather prediction will lag. There's no doubt about it. And that will have a great cost to the American people and to the science of numerical weather prediction. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to my podcast. Feel free to send me your questions or any topics you would like me to cover. This podcast will be available every Friday morning on my blog and major podcast platforms. If you would like to support this podcast, feel free to use the Patreon link on my blog. See you next time!